Welcome to House of Brands. This podcast was recorded on Friday the 3rd of July 2020 while we were in lockdown and the club is shut. We're using this format as a quick and easy way to find out what's going on at the club and hear direct from those running the show for us. We hope you enjoy this instalment. Today we are joined by Michael Weston who has been running the gym at the club since we moved and has recently taken over the role of first team coach. He's also school's youth development officer. Uh, In lockdown Michael has been running Saturday morning sessions for some of our under 15s and uh, along with Jack from the under 16s but uh, we we have also been having some sessions as a family on a Wednesday evening and uh, through Zoom uh, that Michael's been running for us so I've got to know Michael quite well. So welcome, welcome Westy, how are you doing? Yes, I'm good, thank you. So do you remember when we first met? Uh, yes, I do, mate. Um, you was actually um, captain at the time for Harlow. I was um, the ripe old age of 17. Um, and I think it was my first game. We played away at Braintree. Um, and we won that game, I think, by one try. And my memory of you was that we, when we come back um, to the clubhouse, you, um, you asked me, you put your arm around me and you said, uh, great game welcome to Harlow um, and then you said what's your least favorite drink and then you I said oh I don't like Guinness and then you sort of sat me down and you bought me two pints of Guinness and said get them down you mate that's what you can drink for the rest of the night so that's my <laughs> fond memory of you when we met, mate. yeah well welcome to the team you got you got to get settled in somehow I mean you won't be the first person that I said that to order last there was there was quite a few uh, those other rugby players could be horrible so I, I did often do that to people unfortunately I remember Sean Banks uh, when he first played for the first team he said he couldn't stand tequila uh, and I don't think Inga's ever forgiven me since so um, <laughs> but there we go so tell us about your family um, so yeah, so um, I got married um, well nearly a year ago now. Actually, funny enough, I got married at Harlow Rugby Club um, with my wife Lauren. Um, she works at home from telecoms, and thank God she does work from home. Otherwise, we wouldn't see each other. Um, I have a stepdaughter, Mila. Um, she's six. Um, she keeps me on my feet, and she's just about to finish year one in primary school. Oh, is she back at school at the moment? No, sadly not. Unfortunately, our, our school's quite small, so they didn't have quite enough room to get her in, so we've been doing homeschooling instead. That's fun, though, isn't it? Isn't it? <laughs> she can um, spell better than me already, so I've got yeah. <laughs> Oh, there we go. So you, you also moved house in lockdown, so what was that like? Um, yeah, it was a nightmare, to be honest with you. I think um, it was one week into lockdown, and they kind of the government was saying if you don't have to move, don't move. And I think the week after they did completely close it down. So we just got in, in that window. Um, And so it was really tough because carrier companies were pulling out. um, And obviously we couldn't really ask anyone to help us because it was on lockdown. So me and my wife had to kind of um, suffer trying to move a flat into a house, but thank God it was the kind of that way around, I guess. Um, We was in a chain of seven as well. So we were quite lucky that it all went through, but I think luckily all the other people wanted it to happen, so it did. Yeah. Oh, excellent. Good. good. And you're all settled in now? Yeah, thereabouts. Yeah, it's, again, it's just quite hard to actually get hold of anything still at the moment. But yeah, look, we're just so happy to have a bit of space um, to get our stuff done. I think when um, everything closed down, the gym closed as well. So a lot of my sort of personal training and contact went online. So now I've got a bit of space in the house. It means we, I can get my job done, which is good. 
good, 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 good. So, um, yeah, what else have you been up to? Uh, du- uh, what else have you been up to during lockdown? Um, to be honest with you, it's mainly been prep. Um, it's a lot of work, sort of, um, with the sort of rugby side of things. So obviously, we've had to sort of plan um, our pre-season. Obviously, I got appointed as head coach this year, so kind of started to work on the game plan and kind of how we were going to build on from last year. Um, a lot of obviously recruitment drive and trying to bring players into the club. Um, and then obviously just sort of dealing with the current situation, how we're going to return, which we're obviously going to start next week. Um, and then it's the same process with the gym. Obviously, our outdoor area opens from Monday. So we, um, we're just trying to kind of get all the logistics in place to make sure that it's COVID secure and people uh, can come in in a safe environment or outside in a safe environment. And then obviously there's been some DIY going on at home as well. So obviously we only just moved. So we've still been trying to get things done like painting and sorting out the bathroom and trying to get furniture into the house. No rest for the wicked there. No, no rest. <laughs> uh, so the gym opens next week. Is, is that the inside part of the gym? No, it's so just outside. So obviously at the moment, the government has said that only the outdoor areas can open. So um, we got really lucky because um, the clubs sort of allowed us to create an outdoor training area, um, which is kind of perfect because um, it, it really kind of adds to what our gym already has, which is kind of like a really cool sort of functional training based gym. And we've got loads of great bits of kit, like things like sort of like the sleds and the tires and the hammers. And so it's kind of, we just got this really nice outdoor space now where people can come in, know that it's safe. Um, we're restricting it to down to just five people, just keeping to the guidelines. But then also once the gym does reopen, we've got this great additional outside area. So I think a lot of people do like to train outside. Yeah, I saw you. One of your Facebook things. Two things I've seen recently on uh, uh, Facebook. One was you trying to lift a hammer um, that looked rather heavy. Um, how heavy was that hammer? So do you know what? It's, it, it, it on paper doesn't sound like it's sound very heavy. It's, it's 30 kg, but it's the fact is that you are shifting it from one side of the body to the other, and all the weight is in the head. So it, it's really hard to move, and it requires very good technique. You can be very naturally strong, but if you haven't got form. Then that thing's not going up. Yeah, you, you didn't look all that comfortable lifting it up to start off with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've, got, I've, got a little bit I've had some a little bit more practice since we got it, but yeah, there's something to work on definitely. And, and the other one I've seen is uh, sort of the, t- the tire flipping. Um, and is that a new massive tire that you've got on, or have you just started a competition with one of the the, the tires that we had? Yeah, we've got a little bit of a mini comp going on at the moment, um, sort of like we call it the strong man, and it's kind of something we're sort of moving into, and the same the players will be doing as well in pre-season, but it's kind of, we've got a 150k tyre and a 250k tyre, which is kind of, uh, they're heavy, and they're hard to move, but you have to realise that it's not like a 250 lift, as you lift, the weight distributes as you drive in, but it's so good for functional strength, there's nothing like using every muscle in your body to try and shift one thing from A to B. Um, so yeah, we've got we've got loads and loads of pieces of kit now for outside. So I think we've got about ten tyres in total now. Oh, good, good. So there's going to be lots of tyre flipping in pre-season, and of course people can come along to the gym and 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 use that as well. Yeah. Um, so let's get on to the rugby. When, when did you last play rugby? Um, so amazingly, probably about um, coming up to two two and a bit years ago now. Um, which it feels like it wasn't that long ago, but um, last time I played was for Harlow under Graham Richards. Um, this was back when we were London uh, Northeast One, I think. 
Um, and yeah, I think, I mean, that was kind of the, the downfall of me, really. I, I'd been struggling with injuries for years. I'd, to be honest with you, I shouldn't have never, I shouldn't have been playing, in all honesty. I, my, I, I knew my knee was bust. Um, it's one of those ones where your love of your game kind of takes over your, your sort of, um, your mind a little bit. And I kind of kept playing and uh, right towards sort of think, midpoint of that season. I think my knee went for the last time and this is going on to my fifth knee operation. So I kind of had to then sort of call it quits and retire at sort of 28. Gosh, a bit early to retire. You're a long time retired, but now you're coaching. Um, so you, you've really got the, the, the rugby bug there. What do you love about rugby? Um, I, I, to be honest with you, there's, there's so much I love about rugby. Um, I mean, the game itself, I think, is just unbelievably unique. Um, I love the physical attributes. You know, it's, it's quite rare that you have such a combination of, like, needing sort of strength and power and endurance and speed. And there's so much to it in terms of you have to, you have to be you have to be so strong um, in, in terms of your body weight and push power. But then you also have to be fit and you have to be able to run for 80 minutes. And it's just such a combination of loads of physical attributes. It really, I think, tests the body to its max. And then also the, the tactical side as well. So not only is it, sort of, I think, when it won the hardest sports, uh, physically and demanding because of the contact, but also the tactical side of the game. I don't think there's many sports quite like rugby. I think it's really layered. You know, you've got variations like you've got the complexity of set piece um, and then open play gameplay. Um, and then you've got things like core skills, you know, from passing to tackling. So it's, it's really, it's a lot to rugby. And that's why I love it because, you know, there's, there's so much to cover there. And there's a lot to think of, even things like tempo. The mm -hmm. game is just so complex and how you use it. Um, you know, there's a lot of different ways and a lot of combinations you have to punch to kind of, um, get teams to play to their best and then you know on the other side of why I love rugby is I, lo I love the sort of the opportunities and the community that comes behind the game you know my whole career is, is thanks to rugby um, you know I was quite a naughty kid growing up um, and you know I wasn't the brightest spark neither did you um, tell a lot of lies <laughs> is that why your nose sorry for people who don't know West he's got a massive nose and apparently when he's been on his journeys around the world no one else picked up on it but us at Harlow did and he came back to us so, so he must love it really but uh, yeah, I, sorry. I, I'm not, not getting called big nose for a long long time and as soon as I come back to Harlow I think the first training session I was getting called big nose again so it's uh, one of the good things about coming back to the club people don't forget <laughs> Um, yeah, like so, you know, for me, I, you know, I wasn't, you know, like I so said, wasn't very smart, and um, you know, I was a bit, a bit naughty, and so, you know, it gave me a bit of a purpose, rugby, and I, you know, a lot of good people at the club got behind me, um, like even people like, you know, I mean, my coaches, Simon, uh, Simon Van Beck, and Spooner, you know, and they, they pushed me really hard and, and got me into county, and you know, from there, my sort of my rugby journey started, and obviously, I managed to luckily get into Saracens, and. You know, and then, they, and then they pushed me to, to further my education and go to university. And, you know, that's where I found my love for strength and conditioning and, and training the body. So and then obviously then now, you know, working with Harlow Rugby Club and having a gym there and working for Harlow, you know, everything I do is, is thanks to rugby. And that's because of people pushing you and believing in you um, and then just yeah, the community itself. Yeah, so you certainly have uh, come along a bit with uh, with your playing and now into your, your coaching. But uh uh, so, for those that don't know, what positions have you played, and uh, uh, what we, what position was your favourite? 
Um, to be honest with you, I've, I've, I've always been a seven because even when I was young, I was quite small. Um, you know, I was quite a lightweight player. So I used to, but I used to play centre at the start of my career. Um, but it, I kind of turned out that I kind of, I liked the breakdown. I, I liked to get my hands dirty. So it made sense for me to go into more, more of a high contact area. Uh, and then really played seven a lot of my career. And also, believe it or not, despite not being very tall, I, I played a lot of eight, um, especially my sort of days at Luton. I played eight because um, I like to think I've got a couple of steps of gas. So I used to be a lot of sort of, lot of pick and go work. And It's, it's, not, it's not essential to have that much gas at eight, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> it helps, it helps, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, you were, you were playing eight at uh, Luton. Yeah, sorry, I interrupted. Carry on. Yeah, no, I, mean, I, think, I, think, I do agree. I think with eight, you've got two different types, haven't you? You've got the, the big ball carrying eight that will knock the six over and not try and knock the nine over. Or you've got the other one that will try and run round them. And I was the uh, the run round them type for sure. <laughs> oh, indeed. So uh, I think you were due to come on tour, uh, which sadly got cancelled earlier this year. But um, have you been on tour before or have you got a favourite tour? Um, so, I mean, only when, when as a youth, I think, because um, I didn't start actually playing rugby properly, as in like playing regular games. So I was about 15, so I started really late, but I was always involved with Harlow from sort of under 12s. I don't, I was playing, you know, I hate to admit this, I was playing football. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would play rugby when there wasn't games. So I did go on tours with the club. So we did a tour to Bath, which was my first tour, and then a tour to Newquay, but I've never done an adult tour. So you would have been a tour virgin, and now we've recorded that. And so the, the next uh, the next tour that you go on, we can we can replay that to you. So thank you for that. <laughs> Honestly, I was already dreading tour for whatever you <laughs> carry and whoever else was up to for that. Trust me. No, we were going to be very well behaved. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> have you have you got a, a favourite away game or a favourite club that you've been to play against uh, in, in your career? Um, I mean, for Harlow, it was probably West Norfolk away in 2017. That was um, the game that we had to win to secure promotion. And I remember it meant a lot to the team. And that year, I was I was injured a lot, as kind of most of my sort of last two, three years of playing was. But I was fit for that game. And I remember in the warm-up, you know, just looking across, you know, my teammates. And it, it just meant so much to the club to get promotion. I mean, Lee, Aaron had worked really really hard with that group of players to get them really sort of in a you know a systematic system that worked you know uh, like clockwork and it meant a lot to the players you know I think the club had been building for that for a long time and they had some near miss uh, near misses for promotion uh, and it was just really good to kind of go off and win that game quite comfortably I think it's like 43-10 in the end and I managed to get a brace in that game Strangled, and, strangled the life out of him in that game. I think I came up with my two boys to watch that um, uh, that day. Uh, you, you really, they didn't have to, every time they had the ball, there was someone from Harlow was all over them. The defence was was awesome that day. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that, that's why that game is so special because, like you said, I think everyone just pulled together and it, it meant so much. You know, sometimes you can play above yourself when you're mm-hmm. desperate for victory, and that was definitely one of those games. And thing is, with West Norfolk, you never know that type of club because, you know. What they they sometimes travel weak those clubs if they got to go a long distance but when you play them at home you know you never know who they're pulling in and their reinforcements so it was still a risky game at the time we didn't know if we could win it um, but luckily like you said it sort of opened up for us and we performed well. I don't tell Kevin this but um, 
my boys because they they were well a couple of years younger than they are now sort of thing. But afterwards, Lee stole a couple of the, the uh, warm up shirts and gave them to the boys. Uh, it, it, it still fits Owen, of course, because they were massive on him. Reese hasn't even grown into it just yet, but uh, Owen wears that when he's doing some of the training sessions. So if you see it on uh, <laughs> when he turns up, you recognise where that comes from. When it comes from, it comes from that game. So it's oh, good to see. Good to hear that you've got that. But don't tell Kevellis. Or Matsky. I'm going to record a session with them on, um, <laughs> on Tuesday. Uh, but I don't think they've listened to any of these yet. So um, we'll oh, see. That's brilliant. Yeah, they're two amazing folks, by the way. I mean, but they, they're so welcoming. They make any player feel welcome coming into a club. I remember coming back and it was like, I'm, you know, it was nearly nearly 10-year gap. You know, when I broke into the first team at 17, and then coming back, you know, I think it was 25, 26. And mm-hmm. it, it blew my mind, actually, because it's still players playing in the first team since I played. And kind of I thought I was coming towards sort of the back end of my career. And there's players that had really, you know, played for 10, 15 years for that first team. And it blew mm-hmm. me away. And, you know, those two guys, you know, they put your arm around you and it's almost like nothing's changed. Mm-hmm. Oh, good, good. So, so you kind of alluded to the the time you spent away from the club. What did, uh, what, which clubs did you go to there, and uh, uh, and what did you learn from those experiences? Um, so yeah, I mean, so I had a bit of a sort of I had a very rapid uh, rugby career at a young age. So I didn't start um, sort of playing, like I said, sort of properly till I was under fifteens. And in my first year, I managed to get into county thanks to sort of uh, Spoon and pushing me really hard. And from county, they had trials for the Saracens Apprenticeship Scheme linked with Oakland. Um, and I went for that trial. It was very odd because it's kind of an open trial. Um, you turn up and they just start to cut you there and there and they sort of windle it down to sort of like, sort of, I think it was 30 players. And, you know, being a rugby nobody, really, because I hadn't played much and only just got into county, I, I just, you know, sort of what it just shows you that, you know, how you turn up on that one day really makes a big difference. I just I had a really good trial and um, I got picked up from there. And then, weirdly enough, about four weeks later, I got a phone call and said, you know, um, not only do you want you to go to Oakland's College with the Saracen scheme, but we want you into the academy and start training with you know, full-time rugby or, well, at the time, part-time rugby, which was um, absolutely mind-blowing from playing rugby one season to be involved with the Premiership Academy was um, a lot very, very quickly for me. Uh, yeah. But an amazing, amazing experience, and I absolutely loved it. And, you know, from there, all I wanted to do was be a professional player. Um, and then, so I, I did, went to Oakland um, for two years and played with them. Um, and during my time at college, I managed to get into England colleges, um, and I managed to get three caps um, playing against Wales, Scotland and Ireland. You'd be pleased to know that we beat Wales, Paul. Oh, thank you very much. Why do, why do people feel the need to get that in every time there's a slight Welsh thing? I don't know. Um, oh, I don't. That, that was an amazing experience, travelling around the country for that. And then um, and then obviously when my time was over at Saracens, I, um, I went to Bedford Blues um, for a year and then after that in the Essendon Championship and then after that I went to Luton where I played uh, I think five years for Luton in my early 20s um, and unfortunately sort of four years in um, that's when I started to get injuries um, just when I really should have probably kicked on in my career m- my body just started to break down um, which is a massive shame because uh, you know I absolutely love playing but to be honest with you I, I almost get the same buzz now as a coach than I did when I played and you know I'm really I, I'm lucky and you said what you know what I've learned I've had you know what I've learned is that there's, there's so many different ways to coach rugby um, and there's lots of different ways to do it and 
think one thing is like, you know, stick with your personality as a coach, you know, don't change who you are. You know, I've had strict coaches like drill sergeants and I've had, you know, personality coaches that just make you want to play for them because, you know, they're almost your mate. And, you know, all those systems, different ones have worked. And we're really lucky because I've had like people like Matt Allen of Northampton Saints as a coach, Mike Coogan of England on the 20s, um, you know, Matt Davies at Saracen. So I had some really good coaches in my career. Yeah, it was Matt who um, was coaching with us at the same time, sort of brought you into the first team. Uh, Harlow, uh, a bonny little 17-year-old with special permission from uh, pretty much everybody at the play, wasn't it? So, yeah, yeah. He, Matt, Matt had some horrible, horrible fitness drills uh, that we had to do. Some, they were horrible. They, they were called things like the coffin. And oh dear, anyway. <laughs> yeah, I remember the coffin. I remember it really well. And he did one called the Malcolms as well, which is kind of like suicides, but more continuous and I just remember I remember our first week at um, Oakland's college and the tone was set almost straight away and you know he was he was really strict I mean I remember him saying you know you're going to run and you may puke and that is expected here and I think you know that set the tone is that if you want to be the best these are the levels that you have to go to and I'm not sure you can quite get away with that anymore but that's that's what we do that was a level of effort that went in, absolutely. absolutely. So you've got a number of uh, roles that you're covering uh, at the club at the moment. Let, let's start off by talking about your school's youth development officer role. and uh, How's that going and what, what's what's happening in that space at the moment? Um, so, yeah, so, well, unfortunately it is kind of on hold at the moment because of the, the close down. Um, it's, been, it's been a massive project. I've actually been in charge of the, the school's youth development for three years now. Um, and you know it's, it's it's been it's been an amazing experience. I mean, over the last sort of three years, the the program has literally tripled in size. Um, you know, when we first when I first took over, we had Jake Watts going into a lot of primary schools and just teaching kids rugby, and he did a great job. And then fortunately, he was leaving to go work in a school himself. Um, but there was a big divide at the time when I took over. We wasn't working in any primary schools, so there was no rugby being coached um, in any of the second schools and there was such a divide between Harlow and the schools to the point where all the main schools tournaments were actually being played at Upper Clapton. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first thing we did was kind of go and meet these teachers, break these, these um, see why this miscommunications happened over whatever's happened in the past and start to make sure that Harlow becomes, you know, the centre of rugby for the schools and um, we started to then um, send coaches into the schools. We took on um, Matt Fowle as a, as a coach um, and he started to go into the schools with myself and we just started to teach kids rugby. Um, the, sort of the big part of the year one was really was um, that we wanted to give kids the confidence to actually play and play in tournaments. I think a lot of people, kids won't even play in local tournaments within the schools because they don't feel they're quite up to scratch yet. Um, so the main part of the project in year one was to get the kids um, sort of all their fundamental skills up to a certain level from sort of ruck, tackle, mm-hmm. go forward um, and sort of defence and attack. So once we got those kids up to that certain level, once the tournaments ran, we saw a huge surge of participation because kids felt like they could play in local tournaments. And then from those tournaments is where we tried to push that recruitment drive and try and convince kids to come and play for Harlow Rugby Club. Um, and then in sort of year two, um, so that was, so in year one, sorry, we was kind of focusing in year sevens and eights. Um, and we was running about eight hours a week um, of uh, lessons within sort of the five schools in Harlow, the five secondaries. And then in year two, um, we managed to pull some additional funding in and we managed to increase to 12 hours a week. And then we were going from year six, seven, eight, 
and nines um, getting more rugby and sort of over the space of a year we kind of did I think about 600 kids have been taught rugby in year two from Harlow Rugby Club um, which was you know an amazing feat I think considering two years ago we were doing zero um, and then in year three um, was when the program really took off and the RFU kind of heard about what we're doing and how successful the program was being we had a quite a good attrition so what the RFU look at they um, when you're running schools programs they offer help to kind of help guide you and from you know look at other clubs and how they've ran their sort of youth development in the schools and we had a really high attrition we had about four to five percent um, to every kid that we took rugby to would actually come and uh, come to training and play rugby for Harlow Rugby Club um, where usually the average stat in the RFU is around about two to three percent so we were getting really good conversion rates from getting kids to play um, and once the RFU knew that we had this really good attrition they sort of got behind us and they gave us a really large grant last year of £10,000 to basically increase our scheme and what that allowed us to do was then invest a lot of time and effort into girls rugby and was up to 16 hours a week teaching rugby to kids in schools in um, in Harlow in the first two terms of the year. We took on um, Kate Bogus, who um, has done a brilliant job with working with the girls and recruiting. And um, we've seen a, a you know a massive increase in, in female participation at the club, and that's still growing. And we're getting to the point now where we probably have up to three girls teams down the club, and that's a lot. Of that's also thanks to Neil, um, to you know holding training and, and really pushing that and then the, the boys rugby essentially because of those increased hours we we had a lot more boys coming to the club um over the last season or so um so uh, last year our aim was to basically to teach a thousand um do kids to do a, uh, sorry a thousand kids to do rugby um over the space of the year annoyingly we got to 900 and if it wasn't for this pandemic we would have had a hundred a thousand kids do rugby in Harlow yeah. over the last year, which has been mm -hmm. amazing, and you know, it's, yeah, it's been it's been it's absolutely been delight, and we're still trying to grow it. We 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 tend to work with the coaches, you know, whether numbers are low, we will then put more out. For example, if like the under 15s or 16s are low, then we'll try and do year nines and year tens if we can, um, or depending on what age groups are really suffering, we tend to put coaches into those hours in schools, and we run after school clubs and. It's a really, really good two-way system. I have a great relationship with all the, the teachers in all the schools. I mean, luckily, we have a big rugby connection at the schools at the moment. You know, starting to go back to, the, I think, those those Welsh days where there was almost like a Welsh teacher in every school back in the day. And I think that's when Harlow mm -hmm. saw that surgence of really good players about 20 years ago. Uh, but now we're kind of getting back to that. You know, we have uh, Jack Elston at, at Passmores, who's an ex-Harlow player and, you know, currently playing um, National Leagues at Hartford. You've got um, Danny Smith, who's... The Harlow 10 um, at Burnt Mill. Uh, we've got obviously our whole first team coach, Tom Hughes at Stewards. Um, and then we've got Ray Flowers, who's a hooker we play against quite a lot um, over at St. Mark's. Um, so there's, there's a, you know, it's a big drive now to push kids to play rugby. And, you know, I'm constantly getting messages from these teachers saying, this kid's good, we need to convince them to come down. And mm -hmm. the big drive to get kids to play. I think since the programme started, we've managed to gather about 180 kids have joined Harlow since over the three years. That's really good, isn't it? Because I was going to I was going to ask you how do you how does that actually get into the back into the club? But if you if we could measure that with sort of 180 kids that have come through there, that's that's really some fantastic work there. You're also hosting the tournaments at the club as well. Has that, has that made a, a big difference to the to the way that people have engaged? 
Yeah, massively. I think, I mean, I mean, you know, I, I like to take all the acclaim for this, but one big part of it is the club sells itself. You know, it's what an amazing facility that we have at Harlow. Um, you know, it is an absolute dream club. You know, I, I, you know, I talk to rugby club every day and it's just, I'm so proud of that facility and the work that's gone in by the club to create this, you know, dream place for young kids to come and play rugby and, and adults. Um, and so when kids come um, and they see this venue and, and they, they sort of get those touch points of Harlow rugby, it, you know, kids absolutely love it. And, you know, with the tournaments have really grown because not only did we start to run them in year one and we you know, maybe doing it over a span of two weeks, we now run seven to eight weeks worth of tournaments where schools come back every single week, spread over seven weeks. So the amount of volume kids are playing rugby now in Harlow has increased tenfold. And we also host all the primary school tournaments as well. Um, David Stacey does a great job um, in the primaries in terms of pushing sport. You know, we host about a seven-week tournament with, with kids from ages uh, year three to year six. So, yeah, the club the club itself has, has made my job a lot easier to try and convince kids to play there. They don't understand how hard it was to run through the mud at Ram Gorse, do they? No, <laughs> no, one, no one's ever going to understand that. My kids, even now, they come home and they go, well, if I, I don't need to clean my boots because they, they just get cleaned when I play at Harlow. And I'm like, oh, no, you boys... You, you you really don't know how lucky you are. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I yeah. Lots yeah. changed since then. I mean, the fact is, yeah, I mean that, you know, I remember playing Harlow when I was 17 and your feet were like blocks of ice after a game. Mm-hmm. Now you come into this rugby club and you've got heated flooring. You know, it's just, you know, it's insane. Yeah, it is, it is. So let's let's move on. So let's talk about your, uh, your role with the first team. Um, what's the outlook at the moment, and uh, what, what, what's what's coming together for the first team this season? Um, so yeah, it's with the first team. Obviously, you know, currently under the sort of current restrictions, it's, it's, it's mean that we've had to adapt, which is fine. I mean, obviously, we knew that last year we had that disappointment of um, not winning promotion, and really, you know, I think most people would say we should have. Um, you know, we had a that mathematical game. calculation with yeah. not taking and, into account the, the sort of surroundings, wasn't it? Yeah, Tuck t- t- touched on that last uh, yeah. last week as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, to be honest with you, uh, you know, I'm really proud of this group because, you know, they really have taken it in their stride. They're not bitter, you know, they're not, they're not, you know, they're not allowing it to sort of bring them down. It's really about, okay, we go again. Um, mm-hmm. And that's our main focus. Um, obviously, things are going to be a little bit different when we get back. So um, I've actually, believe it or not, despite my sort of S&C background, um, you know, I, I like to, I like to train rugby with a balling hand. I like to build fitness whilst building skills. Um, you know, I always believe that you know you run more when you've got a ball in your hand than sort of run with no balls. Um, but fortunately, um, because of the current restrictions and the limited access, we're going to go to a strength conditioning first phase. So that actually starts next week. So we're going to start bringing the boys into groups of six um, and we're going to start doing a sort of a month of strength conditioning it kind of makes complete sense because you know the season's not going to go back to November now as as at the earliest so we're looking at mid-November return so when we come back as a team we'll do a lot of strength conditioning you know there's no doubt that these players some of them have found it hard to train um, you know on their own so I've no doubt there'll be guys that have put on some weight or not been eating the diet that they should have been so it gives us a good month to blow the cobwebs out get their bodies and their engines sort of working again and then after a month of good solid fitness then we'll start transferring into the skill based work the ball in hand stuff Um, and then hopefully you know by the end of August we can start running almost full rugby training sessions but again that's yet to be seen but we're rolling with the punches I'm happy with 
what we've got planned and um, you know, I'm really looking forward to this year. It's going to be challenging and I, mean, I think you know, if we look at how the league structure may work with this sort of Pool A and Pool B and this kind of promotion playoff type system that may come into place and the home and away fixtures, it's going to be really, really different. But that actually excites me. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, it means it makes it more tactical, you know, how you play a team away and home and you, you get to suss them out. Usually you, you have to pull off your data from, you know, the start of the season when you play a t- team halfway through the year. We play a team one week, we play the next week. So we've got all that data. How we train and how we try and counteract a team now is going to be a really big part of how we run training. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess um, that does t- that change the dynamics there. I mean, you mentioned not back until November. Uh, I-, I thought I'd read that it was going to be uh, mid-October for, for, for senior training, but uh, I must have got that wrong. Well, uh, to be honest with you, mate, the information is coming all the time, so I may be wrong on that. Um, but the one, last one I read is that level um, six and below is around about mid, I think, 12th or 15th of November. Oh, okay. A probable return of fixtures. But um, I, I think I've been told over the next couple of weeks, the fixtures, the provisional fixtures will actually be released, as in if everything stays within sort of guidelines, then we should return um, in November with fixtures in the next couple of weeks. So we shall see. And for those who don't know, on sort of listening in, there's this five, six grades that we that we need to go through to till we can get to that uh, uh, level of playing. It's graded A to F, um, and we're at B at the moment. We need to be at F to play games, don't we? So um, uh, E, we can train us and get ready for uh, for games. So yeah, we keep a close eye on that, don't we? And uh, as you say, it changes quite frequently. So yeah, exactly. yeah. So so what does the coaching team look like for this year? Um, so yeah, and no, I've, you know, I've got an amazing coach team actually. I'm really, really proud with the team that we managed to assemble this year. So um, our forwards coach is, is James Lewis. So um, he's ex Hartford um, and he's an ex Harlow boy as well. Um, he's kind of front free specialist, but he, you know, he's going to cover the forwards this year as well. Um, you know, I, I, I managed to bring James back to the club um, last season. And, you know, as getting to know over the season, his, his knowledge is just, you know, really second to none. I really like how he approaches the forwards play and he kind of wants to get the old school aggression back in the pack. And, you know, his technical breakdown of scrum and line out um, is really going to boost his team this year. Um, he's also going to play. He snapped his Achilles at the start of last season. So he, he'll come back gradually. I mean, I hope this probably brought him some extra time to get himself fit. Um, so he's running as a player coach. I have... Um, Jake Hobbs, who's our backs coach, um, he's a sort of long-term friend of mine. Um, I played with at Luton. He also played Hartford and is a really, really fantastic 13. Um, and he's he's going to take he's going to help lead the backs. Um, and yeah, again, a fantastic coach. His knowledge is just just unbelievable. And you know, I know some of the coaches that he's had, and he's going to pull off of the right kind of people. And then we've got George Daly as well, who's going to also be um, assistant backs coach or co backs coach with Jake and them two are going to kind of lead the back line for me. Um, and he's, again, he's played another, he's played a great standard rugby. His knowledge is great. He, um, I think he played for Bath university and he, he's played some England A as well. Um, and then um, I've got obviously uh, Luke Barron, who's going to start our first team captain. He's going to start to get integration into coaching. So we're kind of building him up, going to get him through his coaching qualifications. And he's seen as a long-term sort of future coach for the club. 
And then we've got Kev Harmon also leading up the second team and he'd be involved with a lot of the coaching. And, you know, I've worked with Kev the last sort of year or so. And again, he's been brilliant in terms of like sort of galvanating that second team for us and making us sort of work well in terms of bringing players and giving players opportunities to play for the club. And um, yeah, that's my coaching team. So yeah, I'm very proud of them. Lots of experience there. Um, you know, I know, I, you know, some people said to me, you know, a lot of those are player coaches. So, you know, I know it'd be me on the sideline, but I'm, I'm actually very comfortable with that. Um, you know, because I'll get two perspectives. I'll get mine from the side and I get the, the perspective on the pitch. Uh, and, I'm, and I've got a couple of advisors as well that's helped me, not just sort of old coach in the past that I can call up, but Graham Richards has, has agreed to advise me uh, remotely. Um, and we'll be looking at footage of games back and, you know, looking at working on sort of like how training techniques can be improved for this team. And Owen Coyne as well, who's the Colts coach, um, he's offered to help with help out with our backs, and he's a wealth of experience and knowledge, especially playing championship level. He's really going to help his team. So we have a lot, a lot of experience, a lot of quality, and a lot of um, yeah, great coaching team. For a lot, uh, sort of the, the mentors in Owen and Graham there um, certainly help you guys and uh, uh, guide you along the way. It, that, that sounds like the biggest coaching team. That I've ever sort of <laughs> known at the club, to be fair. Um, yeah. So, so that, that that's quite positive that it's it's heading in that direction. A couple of things there. James Lewis is his nickname Bean. But yeah, Bean—that's his nickname. Yeah. So um, I have to tell a quick story. So I used to live with a few friends. One of them being Prindy. Um, that uh, there's a previous podcast that may or may not make it to air. We're not sure yet. Um, but uh, we used to live together. We had a bar in our front room, and uh, that bar found its way to Bean when he was at university with, I think it was Lewis Alderman, uh, oh, and yeah. they, they they lived together and while well, they were at university. So uh, I'd have to catch up and find out how that's doing. And uh, I mean, we, we put a little plaque on it and passed it on. So yeah, that would yeah, be. Yeah, should invite to the podcast. I think you'd like to do it. He, Bean's very good at talking. He's he's a bit of a smoother. He's very yeah. good. at talking rugby and shooting shooting uh, I can't swear in there can I <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you can I just might have to edit it or put an explicit label so but there, but there we go don't, don't worry if you if you drop one swear word it won't be anywhere near as bad as what Kerry and Brindy did the other day so there we go <laughs> uh, yeah so uh, and uh, Luke as skipper I might try to get Luke on uh, at some point as well that would be very good, yeah. Now Luke's been a, Luke's been a brilliant skipper for this club, and he's um yeah again Luke, Luke doesn't stop talking, but just just know that with Luke is if you've got any secrets, he never keeps them. <laughs> I know a few about him as well, so that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, let's move on to what, what's happening with the gym. You mentioned that it's starting to open up from next week. Um, anything else happening in the gym that we can tell people about today? Um, I mean, I suppose you know it. It, we, hopefully, I think I did see an announcement today that um, potentially looking at only a couple of weeks away till the, uh, the gym's open. We officially open our doors on Monday, um, and all our members have bookable slots. If anyone listening to this does want to join, they just need to go onto our website or onto our Facebook page, and there's links of how to sign up, or they can just contact me or my business partner Matt um, about how to join. But you know, the, 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 the gym has been a huge project to that club. I mean, we've gone a long way again. It's been like kind of like the schools program. It's been three years and kind of exactly the same as the schools program. It has essentially tripled in size in, in, in the space of that time. You know, we started off as a, a storeroom cupboard, um, you know, running sessions for players sort of, uh, before training and, you know, doing a little bit of personal training. So now having a fully fledged gym with three large areas, um, with gym memberships and, 
um, personal training and, and getting players in there to sort of work on their strength and conditioning. So it's been amazing because it has been it has been a um, work in progress. You know, when I first come to the club, there wasn't many players that did train on their own or, or was interested in their sort of their, their gym and their strength and conditioning. And I think over time with persistence, I think players really have bought into how to look after themselves nutritionally and, and strength training. You know, I remember the first year we used to get maybe one or two players come into the gym before training. Um, and then now we get up to 15 players coming to the gym before training and working on their conditioning. And I just want that to keep, continue to grow because I think, you know, like anything else, I know how beneficial and how enjoyable it is. I think without doing it, some people think that it's a scary thing or something they won't enjoy. And I've seen that mindset change over the last few years. You know, my big goal for Harlow from sort of day one was to help it grow and, and, and make it more professional. And we're definitely going that direction. People are taking themselves more seriously now. And, you know, the growth of, uh, you know, of players, you know, how, and how they view uh, rugby and how they, how they train, look after self is definitely changing for the good. Hey, it's not just players that can use the gym, though, is it? No, it's, no, it's, it's open to the, to the public. Anyone can actually join, uh, but members can also use it. Members get a discount. Um, so uh, just to obviously thank the club members and the thanks to Harlow for setting it all up. So they can, uh, members can join. And we have a really good community down there. You know, we, we've only got, uh, I think, about 80 members at the moment and we hope that grows. But, you know, it's, 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 we're a community-based gym, so we really kind of are about the members. You know, we're not one of those big commercial gyms where you're just another number. You know, we have a bit of a family. Um, you know, everyone kind of knows each other. Everyone knows each other's goals. Everyone wants each other to do well. You know, we're not like those classic meathead gyms or sort of, you know, those sort of in-your-face type gyms. It's just a, a really friendly environment where people want to just better themselves want to get fit, want to train, um, and, you know, we want to help educate people. You know, that's how we actually class ourselves. We, we, we call ourselves an education gym because mm-hmm. we want to uplift people, you know, and it's, it's hard because, you know, people have a, a, a good understanding of what health and well-being is, but it's really about how to make it realistic and doable for yourself, you know, because we all know this one-size-fits-all plan will work, but we have lives that we live and we have work and we have kids and, we have, you know, triggers with foods and things like that, that that really kind of send us off path. So it's like, well, actually, we can give you the tools to do it, and it's not actually as hard as you think. You just need some application, some you know, some tools that you can use to make it easy. And you know, over the sort of course of the booked or few months that we opened, we were kind of getting there with people, and we hope to to get back to that once we reopen. So that we covered three pretty meaty areas there, with the youth development officer, with the first fifteen, and the work you're doing with the gym there. Yeah. Um, is there anything else that you're involved with at the moment? Anything else that's going on in the club? Have you got any more uh, time? Yeah, I know. Well, yeah, it's all going on. Now, we, I obviously have, um, I, I managed to successfully win a, a grant for the club via um, a family funds project. So that's probably the next sort of big, uh, big sort of thing coming into Harlow over the next sort of year or so. So the family funds project, um, we managed to win sort of through um, Active Essex and Sport England and the RFU. So it was a triple, triple threat. Um, and basically it's to help um, sort of disadvantaged populations in Harlow and um, be able to uptake in sort of health and well-being and, and sport and that includes rugby. So it really the main purpose of the project is to basically use Harlow as a central hub to allow people that can't afford to, you know, do extracurriculum sort of fitness activities, they can come to Harlow and do it. So whether it's via transport or just having gym care or having their breakfast bought for them, this this project is basically there for, for those people. So that that's for families. So that's you know for disadvantaged families in Harlow. 
they can come to the club and they can start training rugby um, and you know feel like it's a safe environment and um, be able to do the things that they may not have been able to do without this funding. So could that's going to take up a chunk of your time as well then I guess? <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, I, I, I'm quite lucky. I think we've got um, one of our trainers, Joe. Um, she's going to help front a lot of the project for us. Um, but again, I, I've always got people at the club helping me. I, I never do anything on my own. You know, Alan Brookin has always been absolutely brilliant in terms of helping me with uh, the growing of the gym and with the schools projects. And, and Paul Tucker, I mean, I probably speak to him on the phone every day for about 45 minutes, whether mm -hmm. it's different rugby related stuff. So I've got a lot of help. So I should be okay. Good, 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 good. Um, you mentioned earlier about uh, when you turn up to the club, feeling very proud about the facility. Uh, is there anything else that makes you feel special about the club or makes you feel particularly proud about our club? Yeah, no, I think, you know, the, what Harlow, I love the way that, how Harlow run themselves. You know, I've been a lot, I've been involved in a lot of clubs in the background. You know, I did a similar role for this for, you know, a few different, few different outfits. And, you know, I really think the club's, you know, integrity is, is really in the right place. You know, they're non-paying club. You know, what they do is they just try and look after their members and their players. You know, I think they've got really good foundation. They're realistic with their approach, but their ambitions are big. Uh, and that's a really key part. You know, I think Harlow knows with its level of facilities that they want to move up through the levels, but they want to do it right. They don't want to start splashing money and throwing things uh, and getting indulgent things. They want to they want to build a core. And, you know, that's what example, you know, that's why the youth development program came in, because we want to bring young kids through. And, you know, for the first year we've had our first. So the first year in a while, we've had our first lot of senior cults come through. And hopefully now we can maintain these levels of kids coming through the system to leading to adult players um, and, you know, I, I sort of work a lot with, um, you know, the board and you know, Tracy McFerrin, Pricey and Alan and Paul Tucker, you know, those guys, you know, do such a good job uh, making Harlow sort of work. And, you know, I'm very proud to see, you know, people just all kind of working in the same direction. I think uh, the thing is with, with me, with Harlow is, you know, I am a Harlow boy, you know, I come through there as a kid. Um, and, you know, I'm going to sound like a little bit of a sap, but, you know, I, I, do love, I do love the club. You know, I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for Harlow. You know, I would never have got my trial. At, I would never got into Saracens because of Harlow pushing me to go play Essex. You know, I remember when I was coming back playing first team for all yourself. You know, I was only 17 years old and the club was sorting me out expenses so I could travel back. And that also meant I could come home for the weekends to see my family. Um, because I couldn't afford to otherwise. And I remember you sought me out of a free gym membership as well. And at the time, I really needed it to train a weekend so I can try and sort of really push my chance to go pro. And I, I remember saying to you, Paul, I said, you know, why why are you doing this for me? Why are you sorting this all out? And you just you said to me, he goes, you know, the reason why I do it for you is because one day you'll come back to the club and you'll do it for others. And you know, that really resonated with me. And, you know, I went off and I, I, and I had a, a small sort of, but a half decent career in rugby and now I see this as my chance to give back you know you know look at what I've got I've got that gym you know I got married at the rugby club you know I have this amazing new job working for the club and I absolutely love my youth development role so you know my connection with the club is, is really really strong and you know it's really two-way I try and give as much back as they give me but you know they, they really do give people opportunities they allow people to grow they, they, they back you um, and if you're a good person and you care about helping people then you really do go far at that club. Yeah, look, yeah I mean, you used the example there of uh, the conversation we had years ago. There are echoes of that, that that I heard from people before me, like Chris Locke, and he was very keen to support people going, achieve what they can in, in, in rugby, in wherever they want to achieve it, and then at some point come back home uh, and, and do something for the club here. And uh, 
Uh, so it's I can't take any credit for that. That, that was all, <laughs> all, all of the sort of words I heard yeah. were just replayed, and and I think that echoes in what you said about that that sort of desire to keep things uh, moving forward and encourage people to be the best they can and, and bring something back at some point. Yeah, I mean that's a great thing about rugby is that, you know it sends you different channels. You know you know we all know about you know how rugby has that discipline and it takes a lot. You know and, and it's, it's it's those connections that you make with players. You know. You, you make you make friends for life rugby, and it's no it's no coincidence that you go out and you put your body on the line for the fifteen other guys out there, um, and it just creates this very special bond between people, and it's it's a community as well. You know, if anyone needs any help, you know, there's people that are just always willing to be there for you because that's what it means to be part of something, and you know, that's what I love about Harlow. It just seems like no matter what problem you're in, there's there's always someone there to help you within that club. Mm-hmm. So what are you looking forward to about this new season? What's, what's top of your list? Or, or is all of the stuff you talked about just stuff you just want to get flying on and, and get going with? Yeah, no, I'm just, I'm just looking forward to coaching. I'm looking forward to getting out back with the boys. I'm looking forward to just seeing people. You know, I really, you know, I am privileged to be in this role. Um, and, you know, I really want to make it successful. And I'm confident that I can. Um, and, you know, I'm really looking forward to working with these sets of players. And that's probably my biggest one is that, I've got a great group of players and we're bringing a couple more people in hopefully this season as well. And, you know, I'm looking forward to working with this group. You know, it's ex- really, really genuinely exciting. I can't wait to get out and, and try some things out with them and, and build on this game plan that I already believe was working for us. I mean, it, it did work because we essentially did get promoted. So we just got to make some tweaks, make it absolutely perfect. And hopefully once the season starts, we can get on a great role and have a really, really memorable season for Harlow and, you know, that return. Yeah. Look, Westy, thank you very much for your time. I know you're an incredibly busy person and uh, best of luck for the coming season. Uh, uh, thank you for, for spending a bit of time and telling us all about what's going on. No, thank you very much for this pre- uh, privilege, mate. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the House of Rams podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it and found it interesting. We'd love to hear your feedback, so please get in touch through Facebook or email me direct with your thoughts. If you'd like to appear on one of our podcasts or showcase what you're doing at the club, please email me on paulowenynan at gmail.com or contact me through Facebook. Watch out for our next release and thanks for listening.